The information presented on this podcast should not be considered as medical advice. Please always consult a healthcare practitioner before implementing any advice heard from this podcast. I really like that little intro though. Thanks again, Myron, for making that for us. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Just John Wellness Podcast. Jeff and John. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? No. <laughs> I was just testing your heart health in light of today's topic. Yes, that is a good I point. wanted to see if you're going to drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the Just John podcast anymore then. It'd just be, it'd be nothing if I was dead. I could leave if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just go. Yeah, you do that. All How right, perfect. So we've yeah. now made an improvement to our podcast. As you can see, it's just me now. And uh, yeah, Jeff has literally just slept, which was not in our rehearsal, I should mention. So uh, here I am. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he won't. I don't know. We'll just, we're just going to keep going. I don't even care. Okay, so Jeff kind of alluded to, February is Heart Health Month, so we're super excited. Our guest today is Dr. Jack Wilson. Oh, he did come back, and he's, he's wearing Star Wars pants. Well, in light of Heart Health Month, I just thought I'd be a little more comfortable. I mean, stress isn't good for your, your heart, John. You should know that. Well, then why are you still my co-host? Have you introduced our sponsor yet? I was, and you interrupted. Well, what is it? Who is it? It's, Tell me. It's Dr. Jack Wilson, who is a cardiologist and author of the book the he's not our sponsor no he's our guest he's our guest and that's why it's a jeff and john show folks that made no sense <laughs> all right so as as is always the case this episode is brought to you by a couple sponsors the first one we want to talk about today is a group called ruby oh and i always like to ask jeff ruby hear the name ruby? oh my god i used to have one of those when i was a kid okay so i won't even ask what you think Oh, no, sorry, that's wrong. Did, did you smoke something when you left the room, or? <laughs> I got one of those when I was a kid. It's a, This one's only little, but. No, that's this... a Rubik's Cube, Jeff. Right, yeah, Rub, they're, they're sponsoring us, right? A Ruby. I can do one side now. You can do one side? Yeah, we can time you. Can you show me the side? Because it looks like it's all random. Which color? Yellow. Okay, I can do this. You can keep introducing them while I'm doing this if you like. So for those who are listening to just audio, Jeff is once again showing his prowess with toys and trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. But Ruby is actually an online culinary course and it's all centered around healthy eating. So it's really cool, it's interactive, you know, they're not only going to teach you how to chop things and how to properly steam your vegetables, they're also going to you know, let you submit homework assignments, give you a grade and review on those. It's a really interactive experience. And we have a tagline for them here. Ruby has taught thousands of regular home cooks how to cook successfully. Done. Let's see. Holy crap. So Jeff actually did solve the Rubik's Cube. I used to be able to do two sides. That's actually a lot more than I expected. So I'm, as is rarely the case, I am actually slightly impressed. I have a yo-yo too. Oh, you know what? You know what's great? These things. A fidget spinner? They manage my stress too. Okay, so again, good for my heart health. Our, our sponsor requires us that we read this tagline. Let me get it out, Jeff. Sorry. Ruby has taught thousands of regular home cooks how to cook successfully. 
the 100% online, do you believe in the power of food to heal and transform your health? We're actually going to talk about that a little bit today with our guests, so that's pretty cool, how food is a, a health option. And of course, every episode is brought to you by Core Health Technologies, the number one all-in-one wellness platform trusted by wellness providers for over 2 million employees worldwide. All right. All right. So, I just want to We're remind next. everyone, we, uh, we had a little contest last month where, where if I didn't kill Jeff, we would give <laughs> all our guests something. No, we had a contest for whoever wrote in the best email to podcast at corehealth.global. Once again, that's podcast at corehealth.global. They can win an autographed, signed copy of our last guest book, Dr. Ilya Gagoris, The Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness. And he was, he was a really cool guest, wasn't he? Oh, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Ilya rocks. He did. I should make him the co-host. Um, so our winner was a gentleman named Adam who wrote no in with the following. wonder you're so lonely, John. What's that? I'm not lonely. I got you here to irritate me. All right, so Adam Rodan saying, hey, folks, I really think that John should have the podcast all by himself. No, no, he no, no, the... that's not what it says. No, 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 <laughs> read what's on the paper. All right, all right, so what he actually said was, hey, folks, great podcast with interview interview with Dr. Ilya Gagoras. It's refreshing to hear a wellness podcast with a little personality. My two cents for the title, Back to Wellness, the J Squared podcast. I also threw together a logo, keep up the good work. So I'm gonna try to put the logo on the screen for you guys because it's our first video podcast. And it's uh, basically kind of a back to the future style logo we did. So we asked this, we asked Dr. Gagoras as well, should it be the John and Jeff podcast or the Jeff and John podcast? And what did he say? I don't remember, that was like a month ago. <laughs> so he suggested it be the J&J podcast. And now Adam is saying it should be the J Squared podcast. I think people are trying to say, you know, we shouldn't fight. We should over just it. get along. It's probably not good for our heart health to fight, John. I feel like if we don't fight, we got nothing for the show. So you got me. Yeah, but on your own. I don't think you want to watch that. Anyways, moving on. All right. So we're if you want a chance to win Dr. Jack Wolfson's book, The Paleocardiologist, writing to podcast at corehealth.global. You saw how easy it was for Adam. Why not win a free book yourself? Write in, tell us what you think, suggest a guest for the show, make some sort of funny comment, you know, you name it, we'll be happy to consider it. Jeff, since, since you brought a lot of props here, there's something I, I want to do on the air too that you weren't expecting. There's this cool new health challenge that all the kids are doing. Yeah. And since you have such a dirty mouth, I thought it might be good for you. So it's called the Tide Pod Challenge. And what it is, is you just you eat it and put it in your mouth and, and eat it. So I figured, well, I'm that on why, why don't you show me how it's done first? I know it's complicated to chew something, but I think you could figure this one on your own. Mm, no? No, I think that just looks wrong. All um, right. I'm old school. We don't eat soap. <laughs> well, you're old. All right. So let's go into oh. wellness news. don't you? I really do. Take it away, Jeff. What do you got for us? Well, John, you know, just when we thought sitting was the new smoking, we have a new study out saying otherwise. I mean, yes, sitting is still the new smoking, but now we have an even newer smoking, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's loneliness. Mm. They say here in this article that it can be as unhealthy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. John, 
I fear for your future, my friend. <laughs> I really do. I am a lonely fellow. You know, it, there, there, basically it goes on to say how it's you know increasingly posing a public health risk um, and how, you know, it's just going to be on the rise. I mean, nearly 30% of all households now only have one person in them. Um, and uh, some of the research just indicated how um, social connection is associated with a 50% reduced risk of an early death. Uh, sorry, early death. So, you know, loneliness can really exact its toll on an individual's health because um, what they said was that the, um, I gotta flip through my pages here, how being around others helps alter our cortisol and stress hormone levels. Um, so social connections can be protective. Um, you know, they help us maintain healthy eating routines, exercise more, enjoy shared activities more, you know, boost both not just physical but mental health while curbing negative behaviors like sitting and watching too much TV or being online too much and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, um, some, it's, it's never addressed, right? Like, you don't go to the doctors, really. I mean, you know, you go to the doctors and you, you feel down, they'll, they'll probably prescribe you Prozac or something. But, you know, really, loneliness is really not talked about with our doctors, right? And, it, and the article goes on to say how, you know, maybe we need to look at how we, you know, can incorporate more of the social support, support aspects into our care plans in terms of, you know, when we're talking to our doctors, how we could have that conversation, right? Because mental mental health is such an important critical piece to our well-being, and a lot of times, you know, we don't really have that conversation with our with our doctors. And um, you know, maybe we need to you know get better at that in terms of not just as uh, somebody going in to see the doctor and, and and talking a bit more about that with our doctor, but maybe you know how maybe our doctors can potentially talk about that as part of our care plan. So increasing our social connections, you know what we're doing in our lives that is is positive in terms of our relationships with others and that sort of thing because that has such an important um such an important component to our overall well-being yeah yeah no i agree and um you know maybe it's something we can kind of bring up with our guests later too and just that alternative yeah. kind of alternative view i guess to health rather than just always prescribing something i'd be curious to hear his, his thoughts on I'm that sure he'll definitely have something to say and again i i really i feel for you buddy i mean <laughs> It's not looking good for you. I know. I, I just look forward to these podcasts so I can finally interact with someone and you know get out of the basement for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, it's, I don't. You know, I don't know why you're always on those apps. Yeah. So which I, apps? I'm not sure why you're so lonely, but which apps am I on? You are. I don't know, John. You <laughs> tell me. All right. So I guess for my part here, if people watched our last episode, which if you haven't, hopefully you go do soon. Um, I talked about something called sulforaphane, which is a component that you get from chewing or chopping cruciferous and brassica vegetables, so your bok choys, cauliflower, broccoli, all that kind of stuff. It's not what's coming out, coming out of the other end, because that what? probably wouldn't be nice. No, it's not what's coming out of the other end. <laughs> Especially all of those cruciferous vegetables that we eat. Yeah, yeah. we eat a lot. Yeah. That's one of the pitfalls of sitting next to John in a live podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll have smell-o-vision for our next one. But actually, I did recently just switch to uh, aluminum-free deodorant, so that could be a problem, too. I'm finding it's not quite as effective. Oh, we're on the same page there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I actually grow broccoli sprouts myself, and I really think that sulforaphane has the potential to help so many things. So last month we talked about some mice studies where they found it's as effective at treating depression 
as prescription drugs like Prozac. And so I started looking at some research for things that would relate to heart health or cardiovascular health for, for Heart Health Month here. And so one study I found, they, they showed mice sulforaphane prevented the thickening of arteries and protects against arterial oxidative stress and inflammation, all of which are risk, risk, risk factors for atherosclerosis, which is just plaque buildup. It's really hard to say it ten times fast. I can't even say it once. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't so, even know what it means. Again, it's just in mice at this point, but it did show that it prevented thickening of arteries and removal of plaque. And then they did another study on rats where they showed that it protected against stroke-inducing effects of high blood pressure by inhibiting vascular adhesion proteins. Again, this is all done through sulforaphane's activation of NRF2, which is a latent protein found in every cell of our body that has powerful effects. And then this next study here was related to cholesterol, and they actually use brothy sprouts, which are your best way to get best way to get sulforaphane. You can get it through vegetables and stuff. It's killed if you cook them. So if you cook them, you lose it all pretty much. And it's a much lower dose than you get from brothy sprouts. So they found in human trials with brothy sprouts that they improved cholesterol profiles by reducing LDL while significantly increasing HDL. So again, something I hope we can talk about with our guests later, um, cholesterol and how that's been demonized and how it's actually an important part of the body. And then lastly, um, the lipid modulating and antioxidant effect of broccoli sprouts have been confirmed in a recent controlled trial, which found the ratio of oxidized LDL to LDL reduced by 14%, so less oxidized LDL for bad, for bad cholesterol, an 18% decrease in triglycerides, and an overall 52% reduction in atherogenic index, which is the ratio of molar concentrations of triglycerides to HDL cholesterol. So that's just a really long way of saying it improved cholesterol profiles. So again, eat your cruciferous vegetables, get into broccoli sprouts. Jeff needs it to stay awake. It has, I really believe that if everyone had I broccoli just, sprouts, we'd see a reduction in cancer, we'd see a reduction in depression. I, I really think it's a big one. So that's why I'm kind of doing this series on each episode about sulfur. I'm, I'm all for broccoli. I love broccoli. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Is that it? Yeah, your turn. Oh, thank God. Okay. Just can't wait to talk, eh? Oh, no, I just can't wait to not listen to you talk. Um, okay, so something out there right now in the news, lots of controversy about it right now, and I don't want to eat your Tide Pod. Go, I was, I was go, why don't you go wash your clothes? It, it's, that that non-aluminum deodorant you're wearing is yeah. certainly reflecting in the smell of your clothes right now. Maybe you should use that and go do your laundry for change. All right. Didn't you say touch was, like, really important in our last episode? I mean, I should... Probably give you a hug here. No, no, okay. No hug. No, <laughs> definitely not. Okay, so uh, a lot of controversy about this right now um, in the medical news uh, around e-cigarettes. Um, you know, uh, there's been you know a lot of controversy saying, well, it's a safe alternative to you know conventional cigarettes, but there's actually a new study out there now, John, that suggests e-cigarettes may actually pose serious to our health. So who would have thought breathing in carcinogens? Yeah, yeah, who would have thought, right? I mean, really, did they need to do a study on this? Let's be honest, okay? <laughs> so what they found was that there was some damage uh, found in human lung and bladder cells uh, in their um, in their little uh, experiment or study um, that have been exposed to e-cigarette vapor for an equivalent of 10 years. Um, so they go on to say, the study goes on to say it's probably um, that um, certainly e-cigarettes um, are you know could be 
definitely carcinogenic, uh, and they have higher rates than non-smokers to develop uh, lung, bladder, and heart disease. Sorry, lung, bladder cancer, and heart disease. So you say that they have a higher rate than smokers? No, sorry. So, so based on the results of the study, what they're proposing is that e-cigarettes um, are carcinogenic and they uh, have higher risk than non-smokers. Oh, than non-smokers. Yeah, to develop lung, bladder cancer, and uh, heart disease. So, you know, they're saying that yeah, they could be less harmful than than cigarettes potentially, um, but um, definitely, you know, compared to non-smokers, you're still doing uh, more damage here um, than. Um, than not smoking at all, right? But you know, you know, at the end of the article, they did go on to say that there's, there's still you know more studies um, that they need to do to to really understand the, the long-term implications of you know vaping and e-cigarettes and that sort of thing. You know, I, I, I certainly certainly not a proponent of you know any type of type of uh, smoking. Uh, I'm sure uh, I know we'll be asking uh, Dr. Wolfson uh, later about his opinion on uh, e-cigarettes and uh, impact on heart health. So I'm sure he'll have lots to say about that too. I think that's that's all our news, isn't it? That's all I got. All right, let's move on to our interview with yeah. Dr. Jack Wilson. As everyone knows, uh, today's theme is heart health. Heart health. That's right. And we have an expert on heart health here. Uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson is a board-certified cardiologist. He grew tired of patients uh, failing to get really well, sometimes getting worse using pharmaceuticals and procedures. Um, as a result, he opened up Wolfson Integrative Cardiology down in Arizona, where he uses in-depth testing and targeted nutrition to prevent and treat cardiovascular disease. So now he treats the whole person, getting to the cause of the issue, instead of just treating the symptoms. Um, he offers practical solutions for heart health in person at his office, like I said, in, down in Paradise Valley, Arizona. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Paleo Cardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health. You can also find him at the doctorswolfson.com online um, if you're interested in learning more about uh, what type of services he offers. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dr. Wolfson. Dr. Wolfson, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure, Jeff and Jagan. Great to be on. Beautiful day out here in Arizona and excited to really you know, spread my knowledge and give people an alternative approach to heart health, uh, something different than what they would typically hear in their uh, average cardiology office. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, I understand your inspiration, um, uh, in addition to uh, your wife, Heather, um, in, in terms of getting into sort of this approach to, to treating patients was also an experience um, that you had with uh, when your father got older and started having some, some health difficulties, is that right? Well, what's scary is, that, yeah, you're, you're actually correct, but what's, what's scary really is that my father wasn't older, especially I'm 47, my father started getting sick in his mid-50s and he eventually was diagnosed with something similar to Parkinson's and the Mayo Clinic had no answers and the medical community had no answers as to even why he had uh, this Parkinson's-like diagnosis and there was no treatment for it. There was only misery and eventual death at the age of 63. And when I saw what was going on with him and medicine had no idea why, and then I meet this woman who was a doctor of chiropractic who eventually became my wife and she knew exactly what had happened to my father, it was an epiphany 
uh, to me in a total wake-up call, and uh, it led to a major career change for me. And, you know, once again, dumping that sickness model and reaching the wellness model, and it's just been an amazing whirlwind in every positive direction ever since. Yeah, I can, I, I can really understand and relate to that. I know uh, when I was around uh, 18 or 19 years old, uh, my, my grandfather, he was 69, he died of a heart attack. Um, very young, um, you know, he, he, he definitely had a lot of lifestyle, um, poor lifestyle choices, smoking, um, he, he drank a lot of Coca-Cola, that sort of stuff. Um, but it really, it, it, it pushed me into health promotion. I mean, that was really one of the major determinants for me choosing my, my, my uh, education and career path. Um, so, so we have, we do have some questions for you. Um, so in this day and age, what, what do you see as the main drivers behind cardiovascular disease? I mean, is it exercise? Is it diet, sleep, stress? I mean, loneliness, I, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, that, uh, they're talking about how loneliness can, um, sort of lead to sort of, uh, early death, um, you know, or, or disease. Um, what, what's your take on this? Well, I think you're, you know, really onto something, but it's really just so many facets that we'll just say it's just a modern lifestyle just totally breeds sickness, whether it's heart sickness, cancer, brain disease, autoimmune disease, uh, mental health uh, disorders. That's, they never teach us that in medical school. In medical school, residency, fellowship, I spent 10 years in medical training, and we never discuss cause. We just discuss outcome and then pharmaceutical or surgical treatment for that. So if we talk about how important nutrition is, how important sunshine is and sleep, and we talk about physical activity, and we talk about avoiding toxins, if we do all that stuff, then we're not going to have all these different disease labels. But let me circle back to what you said regarding loneliness. I talk about that in my book. It's one of my chapters that I titled One Nation Under Prozac. Uh, loneliness is a problem. Anxiety is a problem. All these things increase cardiovascular risk. And the answer is not a pharmaceutical. For lonely people, it's a matter of how do we get them engaged in society. And there's even literature that says that getting people on Facebook and on social media is a great way to um, help combat loneliness. Because maybe people are somewhat hermits and they don't get out much into society or they don't have the ability to get out into society, really. They don't drive, maybe they live in a rural location. But when you get on social media and you engage with people on Facebook, it's like the old time pen pal where you feel part of a community. And I encourage all of my patients to engage with us on Facebook and keep the dialogue going. Um, I'm not saying spend 24-7 on your computer screen. I think that's definitely a death sentence. But the ability to feel part of our community is very important. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. I keep telling John to, you know, he's got to you know, really get out there more. Yeah, I'm still in my mom's basement. What can I say? <laughs> but I, I love that chapter name, One Nation Under Prozac. That's fantastic. And uh, actually, our last episode of our podcast, we did on happiness. I talked about... Uh, in these mice studies, they showed sulforaphane, you know, through cruciferous vegetables and things like that, was as effective as, uh, you know, medications like Prozac in treating depression. So it's pretty cool to, to hear you confirm that sort of thing, too. That lifestyle is a, is a big factor. Um, well, so many things, yeah, go 
between depression, obviously, whether it's, uh, you know, the amount that someone's sleeping. It's, it's just trying to live in congruence with nature. And if you get back to that natural living with natural uh, organic foods and getting plenty of sunshine and getting the appropriate sleep, you know, sleep with the sun down, wake with the sunrise, you know, uh, omega-3 uh, uh, fish oil, but specifically from the fish, is just pure brain food. The B vitamins are brain food. Magnesium is brain food. A little bit of lithium is brain food. That's why it's in our multivitamin. Uh, you know, lithium used to be in the soil, and now it's not. You know, it's, there, there's so many different factors. You're right when it comes to happiness, and we have to return to that happiness. If you're in a dead-end job, uh, you know, and, and I'll call my old job a dead-end job in, in the biggest cardiology group, in Arizona making a ton of money, it was dead end and I was miserable and I had to get out and getting out led to an explosion in my happiness. Mm. Definitely. And, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you're a proponent of the paleo diet. I uh, used to be a paleo guy myself actually for a number of years. And, um, you know, a big part of that diet is healthy fats. And fats have become demonized. We see it on packaging all the time still, you know, fat-free products, all that sort of stuff. You know, why has fat become so demonized over the last few decades here? It's, I mean, to me, it's all corporatism. It's all just, uh, you know, big box food makers trying to sell us uh, cheap, processed, packaged uh, garbage. Um, they know that their high-carb foods are highly addicting, but they know that that's what people love and they want to eat, and they try and capitalize on the marketing of that. And it, it's, uh, <clears throat> me, in society who suffered from it. Society has gotten obese. Society is, is rampant with diabetes, with anxiety, depression, whatever you want to call it. Um, and certainly diet is a, is a mainstay. And if we say, you know, low-fat is the answer, what about an avocado? What about nuts and seeds? Everybody knows nuts and seeds are healthy. They're high-fat. What about olives? <laughs> the healthiest people in the world are in the Mediterranean. They eat a ton of uh, olives and olive oil. Um, uh, Eskimos eat, uh, you know, free-range grass-fed meat and lots of wild seafood. Omega-3 fats. Every study shows that the more omega-3 fat you have, the better your health and wellness. So, uh, to me, the low fat uh, is is just I mean, it's just it's just lunacy, and it's led to 50 years of health destruction uh, in this country and around the world. And uh, I'm on a mission to fix that. Well, well, this this, this I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, you know, quite simply, our ancestors ate a certain way for millions of years. Why are we changing that? Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this leads to the next question because, you know, I, I, I recently came across a study that, that, or a study or an investigation that talked about how it was the sugar industry who basically uh, uh, misled, if you will, the, the public around, um, you know, fats that because it was actually the researchers, I think it was at Yale or Harvard or something, that discovered it was actually sugar that was the main culprit in heart disease, more so than fat, but somehow, like you said, sort of, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, corporations or whatever tried to sort of sway people towards fats to, to sort of... Well, they were paid off. Well, yeah. Those researchers were paid off. I think it, it equates to $50,000 in today's currency. Right. So it wasn't even a lot of money, like, I mean, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... I mean, along that line, do you, do you think it's it's the sugar and the processed carbs that's a huge culprit in heart disease? And like, 
why like what impact does it have on the body and specifically on the heart like what does it do to us well, I think most authorities would have to say that no matter what diet you recommend, whether it's vegan or vegetarian or paleo or keto, everybody is kind of anti-eating uh, straight sugar. Uh, and I would certainly, you know, put myself into that category. You know, with that, I mean, just you know, just sugar and, and starchy carb intake. Things, uh, you know, rice things are easily and quickly converted into sugar, and that's frankly alcohol as well. Uh, it just all leads to uh, damage to basically every single. Uh, cell uh, protein uh, in our bodies, and therefore, if those don't work uh, in a process of what's called glycosylation and they become aged, uh, you know, advanced glycosylation end products, as all those proteins are damaged by the glycosylation process, the proteins don't work. And if your proteins don't work, that means your proteins, your enzymes, the structure of the body, none of that works. And when that happens, you're you're done. I mean, you know, disease will set in. Very quickly, and that's not happening from carbon. I'm sorry, from fat intake. Right. It does not happen in protein intake unless you do an abundance of proteins, especially in the face of sugar and carbs. But you know, let's just go back to what our ancestors ate. Our ancestors were hunter gatherers. They ate tons of plants. Uh, they ate meat. They ate seafood, and and that's the way we should do it. Anything that's processed is going to uh, cause damage to the body, and if you limit that, the better off you're going to be. And then finally, when you raise blood sugar, you raise insulin. When insulin levels are high, uh, you know, once again, it's quite simply, you're done. The body just does not work. That insulin just stores everything away as, as fat. And that fat is very inflammatory. And all those markers of inflammation float around the body, causing more damage. And then, boom, you have, you have your heart attack, your stroke, or your cancer or dementia. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, You've got a depressing future, right? Me? Yeah, well, as you can see, I'm, I'm obese. And, um, so I'm really curious to hear, as a cardiologist, your take on this here. You know, we just talked about all these problems with uh, sugar and that sort of thing. But to combat it, obviously, one of the best things we can do is exercise. And there's a debate out there as to what's going to give you the most bang for your buck as far as cardiovascular health. Is it the high-intensity interval training, so those short, short bursts of really intense cardio? or the more long-sustained marathon-type running. What do you think on that? Yeah, no, I would definitely say it's, uh, you know, it, the question, the answer to me really is how, the question is how, and I'll answer, but uh, how did our ancestors behave? Our ancestors did not run marathons. Our ancestors did not go on the treadmill for 45 minutes indoors while watching CNN. Our ancestors were active outside. They were lifting boulders. They were, you know, building shelter. They were wrestling. They were fighting. They were getting water and transporting it across distances. So I would say more like the high-intensity interval training, but at the same time, you know, don't do that inside of the gym. That is not the best way to do it. Now, if you live in Calgary or upstate New York, you know, not to insult those areas, but that's a problem. Our ancestors did not live in those areas. Our ancestors lived on the equator. And they were outside. So you have to get outside in the sunshine, hopefully in that fresh air wherever you live, mm-hmm. and do outdoor activities. So, uh, you know, hiking, biking, walking, gardening, do, doing yoga outside. Me personally, I go out into the desert and, you know, I put down a little towel and I do my push ups, I do handstands, I, uh, you know, do planks. 
I do crunches. I try and get outside as much as possible, and that's the best way to do it. But clearly, distance running, distance cycling is very inflammatory, especially when every mile or two you're having a power bar or a Gatorade, things that are more oxidizing as opposed to loading yourself up with antioxidants. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Well, you, you definitely live in the right part of the world to, to be getting outside a lot more. <laughs> Sometimes we're kind of sheltered up for a few months up here in Canada. Um, but, I, but I get out to the, to the mountain and do a lot of snowboarding in the winter. Um, I guess that brings me to the next thing. Like, do, do, do what makes you happy, right? And um, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you listened to our last podcast with Dr. Elia talking about seven paths to happiness. Um, but, you know, to what, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, to what degree do you think life satisfaction and heart health are related? I mean, are happier people generally less likely to get heart disease? Well, you know what, guys, I'll tell you, the number of times we talked about mental well-being in relation to cardiac disease when I was a medical student resident for three years as a fellow uh, or 10 years in the cardiology practice, we never talked about it yet. It's all over the medical literature, mainstream medical cardiology literature that discusses these things, but the average doctor has no idea what to do about it except for uh, pharmaceuticals that don't work. And... Uh, uh, when you go back to the basics, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's very important to, to get that sunshine, to get that sleep, to get that relaxation, to get the stressful you know, things out of your life, all that stuff is absolutely critical. And, it's, uh, you know, and once again, I talk about this in the book where I talk about a condition called stress cardiomyopathy or what's often known as broken heart syndrome or the technical, the, the guy who defined it, uh, you know, is, is from Japan, and it's called Takasubo cardiomyopathy, where these middle-aged women that have a sudden stressful event, either a death or a job change or a divorce, and they have a massive heart attack, yet when you go in there with a heart catheter and you look around for blockages, there's no blockage that's there. There's something that happens to these women. It's probably some kind of a coronary arterial vasospasm that happens, and it's related to a stressful event. So uh, we have to kind of backtrack and see what happens. And then the other thing, let me, as long as I'm on that stream of consciousness talking about that, is that those women I find also have uh, dysfunctional blood vessels as defined by poor nitric oxide concentration. So in my office, we do salivary nitric oxide testing. And uh, invariably, I find a lot of those women are low in circulating nitric oxide. And then we put them on a program to crank up nitric oxide levels. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. So I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about the problems and some potential solutions, but, you know, what do you feel, what are you most excited about as far as advancements in cardiovascular health, whether it be technology, supplements, lifestyle changes, is there anything that you're like really excited about as, you know, the next big thing to, to make things positive? And, and conversely, like, what keeps you up at night is the most negative thing around cardiovascular health. Yeah, most certainly. I think it's a very exciting time because uh, the internet is really just an amazing tool, and people make fun of Dr. Google, but you know these people are getting educated on, on Google, and they're getting that hopefully from good sources that takes you back to the original medical literature. You can go on to PubMed.gov, and you can see all the medical literature that's ever been done, and it's free from the U.S. government on their website, and you can have all those abstracts and a lot of links to full journals. People are getting educated, and it's very exciting. So you no longer have to rely on your cardiologist. You can go actually get outside opinions 
uh, from people like me, and that's what I'm all about is empowering people through our website, through my book, through my lectures, videos, whatever it may be, to, and, 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 and you know, gentlemen like you both to be able to get all that information out there. I think it's very exciting. And, and then also along those lines is that the, the testing that's available, the most advanced testing in the world, looking for leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability and looking at heavy metals and looking at intracellular vitamins and minerals and glutathione and omega-3s and uh, markers of inflammation, oxidative stress. I mean, you can get so in-depth, all the, uh, the autoimmune panels. It's so exciting to be able to give people that kind of framework, and I absolutely love that. Uh, on, on a negative side, I really don't think there's much negative side uh, except for the people that try and uh, bash our message, <clears throat> the people that try and stand in our way of, of bringing out the truth. But even that, I see is just kind of falling by the wayside because there's so many people like me now in this space and so many MDs and DOs and natural doctors that are, are really, you know, taking a stand and saying enough is enough. We admit we were wrong and now we're trying to right the, right the situation. That's great Thank points. You. Yeah, I mean, inf information is the key and we have all the information in the world at our fingertips now with... Uh, and, and not all the not all the good though. Granted, I mean you know you definitely need to you know to to check your sources and um, you know make sure you're because I know I know one of the issues too with a lot of heart or not just heart related but health related uh, information is there's a lot of junk out there too and it's you, know, you have to be careful and watch out for that. Yeah. Yeah, most certainly. I think you have to know your source. I mean, and so typically when I read, I'm going to trust. A, an original science article, in most cases, I'm going to trust that more, you know, published in a mainstream medical journal compared to uh, a mommy blog. Now, that being said, a lot of those mommy blogs are really well researched, and sometimes there, there is the, the clinical experience of the individual person. There is the old wise woman of the village who didn't do any research. She just lived for 70 years and saw everything and saw what worked and what didn't work. So I think that, uh, you know, I guess this is kind of a longer way of saying, you know what, uh, if, you, uh, if you see that a lot of the people in the natural space are saying the same thing, then I think you're probably uh, onto something. If you find something that seems kind of oddball and erroneous, well then yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, something you may want to double check, triple check, uh, or run it by your holistic doctor. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm a I'm a big supplement guy myself. And um, earlier on in the podcast, we talked about NRF2 activators and some of their impacts on uh, cardiovascular health. What supplements do you recommend or suggest for people to promote better health or heart health? I should say. Well, I certainly think that they, you know, on, and we have a Foundation Five, and our Foundation Five is probiotics, digestive enzymes a multivitamin, omega-3, and uh, a daily greens powder. And uh, I think those are foundational for just about everybody except for a, a breastfeeding baby. And uh, uh, quite simply, who needs a multivitamin? Everybody. Who needs uh, probiotics? Everybody. Who needs digestive enzymes? Pretty much everybody uh, for a variety of reasons. But anybody over 40, they're typically not going to be digesting their food well. Uh, and I think that's really foundational to take digestive enzymes with meals. Daily greens, how many of us are getting eight to 10 servings 
of vegetables on a daily basis. And of course, I'm not talking about corn and potatoes. I'm talking about you know, green leafy vegetables. So get it in the greens drink. I start off every morning with a greens drink. So I think those are really super foundational uh, products. And uh, you know, from there, you know, all my patients with hypertension, I've got them on a beetroot powder. I uh, also have a product, um, you know, a recommendation for a product that's L-arginine, L-citrulline, L-taurine, and all these things really help to crank up nitric oxide. And the best nitric oxide booster is sunshine, by the way, and that's free. Certainly in Arizona, right? It's uh, sunny in Arizona 400 days a year, so we get plenty of sunshine. And then when it comes to cholesterol, uh, I love using spirulina. I love using uh, 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 organic psyllium husk powder. And then one of my, my favorite supplement of all time is berberine, D-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E. There's thousands of articles uh, on PubMed written about berberine, how amazing it is for lipids, blood sugar, anti-cancer, anti-aging, nerve 2 activation, you name it. It's just, it, it is like that Swiss Army supplement that just does everything. It's really exciting product. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, I, you know, it makes me feel better too because I mean I do so I, I do uh, sort of we we uh, started recently um, brewing our own kombucha and uh, we, uh, we drink that every day now pretty much religiously uh, especially uh, and we give it to our five-year-old son he loves it um, we we also have our own organic garden that we grow a lot of greens in um, that we put in our smoothies so uh, at least at least I'm happy to hear that I'm on the right path anyways um, so Knowing, I'm just curious, like, you know, we always look back at our lives and go, oh, if I only did this differently. Um, knowing what you know now about heart health, if you could go back to your youth, what might you do differently to take better care of yourself? <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, let me listen. I, uh, you know, growing up, I was a Chicago kid, uh, deep dish pizza, Italian beef, hot dogs, <laughs> uh, you name it, all the all the colas and stuff like that, and you know, you had mentioned before Coca-Cola. You know, when I was um, when I was a cardiology uh, resident and you know fellow, and, and even on the job, I was a big diet Mountain Dew drinker. So much like I would get pages from the intensive care units, and they would say, Doctor Wolfson, you left your bottle of diet Mountain Dew up here at the nurse's station. Come get it, and I would go running up there to get it. So um, <laughs> I I have some really good memories. Uh, of, uh, you know, before age 35, childhood on, and I wouldn't, you know, replace a lot of those memories. At the same time, I would go back and tell myself about just cleaner eating, better sources, and like, you know what, if you want ice cream, just go get organic ice cream. Don't go to some soft serve, you know, crap hole that I grew up going to. If you want, uh, you know, burger, go get a free-range grass-fed burger. Uh, you know, all those different things. If you want chocolate, go get organic chocolate. I was uh, a big coffee drinker. I would have gone, I would tell myself, stop drinking the crap out of a tin can uh, and tell my father the same thing. I would say, go find organic coffee where it's not loaded with pesticides. Uh, I would tell myself to take evidence-based supplements. You know, once again, the food system, even the organic world, is just deficient in a lot of nutrients, right? If I said that lithium is healthy, organic farmers are not putting lithium in the soil. So you have to supplement. You've got to take a foundational multivitamin. I think it's absolutely positively critical for people to do because broccoli does not come from Northern California. Broccoli came from Asia. And if it's not coming from Asia, which it's not, then it's not optimal for our existence, and we have to supplement. 
Awesome. Um, all right, so part of our, our interviews always involve at least one if you had to choose question, and this is the first one we got for you now here. Um, basically, it's a choice between two options that are where neither one's very appealing, and you got to kind of select one regardless. So if you had to choose between being a vegan or strictly a carnivore, what would you choose and why? Uh, I would definitely choose uh, being a carnivore. Um, uh, I mean, first of all, when I say carnivore, we're talking once again about free-range grass-fed meats, wild uh, seafood, um, uh, and eating eggs, and etc. Uh, you know, that are pasture-raised. I mean, so I'm talking about the most quality. My wife and I are huge donors to animal rescues. We've had many rescues in our lives, uh, whether it's horses and dogs. Um, we we are very very into animal integrity. And if you said if you were going to put me on a lifetime of eating tortured animal products. No, then I would go vegan. But if you said I could eat all the pre-range uh, uh, grass-fed meats and wild game and seafood for health benefits, I would choose that. I would eat all the organ meats, the liver, the brain, the kidney, the thyroid, the spleen, the thymus, on and on and on. Um, and, uh, of course, eggs. Eggs are like a multivitamin, a cocoon for a baby chicken. Uh, there's, there's no deficiencies when you eat that lifestyle. When you eat the lifestyle of a vegan, there are many deficiencies. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have to admit, I, um, I was a vegetarian for a long time, actually, and then about five, well, more than five years ago now, I uh, got back into eating meat, and, and I, I've enjoyed it ever since, and I, I've been really looking at a lot of different, you know, wild game, and actually just last week, a week or two ago, we actually had um, deer burgers for the first time, and never had deer before, but wow, was it ever good. I mean, you could, you, I mean, you could taste the difference, it just, it just, it tasted better and it just uh it felt better in my body too you know if you go out and eat a regular hamburger you know it's it's it i just i notice for myself i don't digest it very well but having something that's that's wild and free from all the processing you know it was actually my, a good friend of mine who went out and hunted um and, and caught this deer so um i know it was coming from a good source right so it does make a world of difference right, yeah, and let me say this as well, you know, once again, I've spoken at paleo effects, and I'm obviously very big in the paleo community. Mm -hmm. The paleo people have to eat the organs, mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just about the muscle meat burgers or the filet or ribeye. you got to eat the organ meat. It's very important. And then also, let me say, there are, there's no such thing as a straight carnivore. You know, coyotes in the wild eat shrubs, they eat berries, uh, you know, bears, every animal eats some form of, of vegetation. Right. <clears throat> so to say that, you know, I, I just want, don't want people to be confused with my answer as far as like a straight carnivore, like all they're doing is eating meat, because that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, you kind of alluded earlier in your in your residency and that you used to drink a lot of like, you know, soda pop, uh, Mountain Dew, I think you said or whatever. And, and as you know, these days there's lots of, you know, caffeine and energy drinks out there on the market that um, many people, especially younger people nowadays, are consuming, you know, they want to stay up late, study, you know, game, whatever. Um, so they're consuming in large quantities, which is probably not a good thing. Like, what do you think are the long-term repercussions on an individual's heart health from consuming sort of large quantities of these, you know, energy caffeine drinks? Uh, I mean, I think it's not even like my opinion. It's just, it's all over the literature now you know, about these drinks and how damaging they are, especially to children. And you hear of, 
of young people dying and going into sudden cardiac arrest all the time on these products. They're very damaging, uh, and the long-term consequences are going to be disastrous. Yeah. And what to do about it? I don't know. I'm not really like a big, uh, you know, a government guy where the government comes in and has to regulate all these things. I think it has to be through education and really trying to educate the parents to educate their children on what their choices are. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I certainly think that uh, you cannot, you should have to be 18 years old to be able to purchase those things on your own, just as if you were purchasing cigarettes. There has to be some kind of restriction uh, on those drinks. They're definitely toxic. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. So, I mean, you, you've probably meant, you probably mentioned this already, but, you know, uh, I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure I know your answer already. So from a heart health perspective, is organic produce and meats the way to go or is, or is it really no different from conventionally grown foods? I mean, you know, I've heard out there the nutrient value uh, between organic and conventionally grown foods is no different, but I, I, I know, I mean, I, I eat predominantly organic as much as possible. I know that, you know, there's probably, you know, a lot less pesticide use in that in, in organic foods. Like, what's your take? What's your opinion? Well, the data is very clear that the, the, the pesticide residues on organic products is much, much, much less than on conventional. And, yeah, I mean, I'm 100% I'm organic, so I'm often very, very paleo, but the three things I always am, I'm always organic, always gluten-free, and always soy-free, and... I find that the best for me, I find it the best for my patients, I don't care what the blood type is, I don't care the where you're from, I don't care what your genetics are, eat like our ancestors did and you will be very, very successful, but uh, the conventional farming practices are uh, destroying the planet, it's animal cruelty, and I would never, ever support anything other than organic products. Now that being said, does if I go to the farmer's market and I'm talking to the farmer, and they're like, oh, well, we're not certified organic. But I ask the farmer, what do you use for pesticides? What do you use for pest control? What do you use for fertilizer? And they tell me the answers I want to hear, then I'm good with that. You don't have to get the, the stamp uh, to say that you're organic. But right. if you know your farmer as much as you can, and like you said, Jeff, you know, with the backyard garden and, and doing the things that you're doing at home, wow, how do you get better than that? Oh, I agree 100%. My, my son loves it too. I mean, just not just the nutrient value and the benefits from, you know, picking your own, uh, you know, vegetables out of your garden, putting them in smoothies, eating them raw, um, just the experience of the gardening itself. He gets so much from it. Uh, I know he really loves going out there and just eating right from the garden and uh, helping me plant and whatnot. You're more connected to your food, right? Totally. It's just, uh, you were yeah. Yeah, if you look at, you know, uh, you know, life lessons and stuff like that, I totally agree as far as, you know, what, what's, what's more important? The child learns to memorize who the president was or, you know, who won this war or that war in the 1700s. Get out outside and go garden. There is nothing more important than that. And how many schools are embracing that philosophy? Just about none. Uh, I could care less how much, how much uh, algebra or calculus or whatever my sons, my boys know and my, my daughter's going to know. I want them to learn about real life and about staying healthy on a polluted planet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so we just have a, a few more questions for you here. Uh, Dr. Wilson, really appreciate your time today. I, I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about cholesterol because kind of like my question on fat being demonized earlier, cholesterol has been really demonized. And... You know, 
is it an important biomarker for, for heart health? And um, you know, what do you think about statin blockers being constantly prescribed for people with a slightly elevated cholesterol? Yeah, I think that um, uh, the, the measurement of total cholesterol is really not a very good predictor. It's not that I think, it's just a fact. It's not a very good predictor of cardiovascular risk. If your total cholesterol is very high, higher risk. If your total cholesterol is low, it's a risk for cancer. So you want to hit that sweet spot, what I call the paleo cholesterol, or what is your cave person cholesterol? If you were walking around the planet 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, living a paleo lifestyle, what would your total cholesterol be? I'm much more into the advanced uh, lipid markers, uh, LDL particles, HDL particles, ApoBs, ApoAs, particle sizes, all the advanced markers of inflammation, all the leaky gut panels, all that stuff is really what is 21st century medicine that most medical doctors have never even heard of, let alone started incorporating in their practice. I think statins are a sham. I think they're one of the one of the worst things that has ever happened, certainly to the to the medical society, where essentially what's happening is that people rely on statin drugs uh, and their minimal benefits. So if I say statin drugs lower your risk of a heart attack from six to five percent, well, what about the five percent? That's who we want to reach, and we do that with nutrition and lifestyle. And the average person's running around thinking, I can eat whatever I want and take my statin drug, and they wind up dead. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about energy drinks, caffeine drinks, uh, and other things. What, what's your opinion, if any, if you have an opinion, about the impact of e-cigarettes on our heart health? You know, I talked, um, I think it. I, th I talked about it earlier in our podcast um, around, you know, how sort of studies are inconclusive, but it looks like they're, you know, better than regular cigarettes, but you're still at, you know, higher risk potentially if you, uh, you know, have using e-cigarettes and if you don't smoke, like, is it better than smoking cigarettes or is it, is it lesser of two evils? What's, what's the take? Yeah, I really don't think uh, science has any definitive answers, as you alluded to, you know, just a second ago. It's, I mean, we just don't know. We have no idea the long-term effects of the e-cigarettes. Invariably, I would say, you know, stay away from it as total poison uh, because of all the chemicals that are known and unknown in there. They're not really disclosed in so many different products. Uh, but all these different chemicals from whether it's e-cigarettes or from auto exhaust or from dryer sheets, fabric softeners, colognes, perfumes, uh, flame retardants in the mattresses, the pesticides, it all gets into the body and does damage, right? We're, we're genetically uh, cave people, and our bodies are not designed to combat that kind of poisonous overload. And when you subject the individual person to that, anything's possible. And uh, in general, yeah, if someone is uh, vaping, uh, I look on that person, and I don't want to say like in disdain, uh, because everybody has their problems and their addictions and their reason for it. I don't want to get too judgmental on them. But at the same standpoint, it's like don't be vaping around me or my children or in a movie theater or on a plane or anywhere inside, you know, where I could get exposed to that. That that really irritates me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand and relate. I mean, I, I have a tendency. I wouldn't say it's an, an allergic reaction to cigarette smoke, but I certainly... Um, you know, like I, I, it really, it's a pet peeve. It really annoys me and um, it triggers me for sure. Um, my lungs have always been the, sort of the most sensitive part of my body. 
Um, so um, in terms of, like when I was a child, I used to uh, get bronchitis a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I definitely had a tendency towards, um, you know, irritants in the air um, that I'd react to. So smoke was definitely one of those. So totally understand. You have one more question for Dr. Wilson, right? Yes. So we have one more if you had to choose question, Dr. Wilson. This is a tough one, but you're a cardiologist, and I, I think you'll be able to give us the conclusive answer on it. So here's the situation. You have to get a heart transplant. Okay, there's no question, you're not even allowed to die in this situation. You have to get the heart transplant. And your only options are Donald Trump's heart or Queen Elizabeth's heart in their current states right now. Which transplant do you choose? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I would say I would have to choose uh, uh, Donald Trump. I'm sure Donald Trump has been through uh, every uh, XYZ exam. And uh, uh, hopefully he's doing okay. Uh, he's obviously a lot younger than Queen Elizabeth is. Yeah. So I'm going to you know, go on the side of just uh, going for the younger heart. Uh, my guess is obviously, uh, like you said before, of course I would choose uh, option C, somebody else. Uh, <laughs> <that> be... <laughs> uh, I know I wouldn't want Bill Clinton's heart. That I know. I don't want his heart. Uh, and frankly, back to what you mentioned with presidents, you know, Eisenhower, uh, Lyndon Johnson, you know, United States presidents in the 50s, 60s, those guys had horrible heart disease. There was no transplant back then. There was no bypass surgery or angioplasty and stents. Those guys sucked down nitroglycerin like they were candy. Uh, let's just say most of those people live unhealthy, toxic, polluted lifestyles. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully that's, uh, that's not me. Well, you know, I was thinking, actually, the queen drinks a lot of tea. And yeah. tea's probably good for her heart, so I don't know if that negates the age at all, but... Well, well, for me, I, I, I know for myself, I probably would have chose the queen, only because I'm like, well, you know, yeah, she's in her 90s, but that says something. She's got something going on for her, right? Like, she's lived to be in her 90s, already past the average life expectancy. You know, Donald Trump, he's a lot of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he's got the stress of being president, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much longer he's going to last uh, with those uh, types of choices he makes. And and quite honestly, well, you know, Donald Trump, I think that I think the Queen might just. I don't know. She might have a more gentle heart, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's why we're not cardiologists. That's why we're not cardiologists. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're the pro. You're the expert. All these, you know, uh, you know, George Bush, you know, both the George Bushes, uh, they've had uh, heart disease. You look back to, you know, you know, Bill Clinton, obviously, and having bypass surgery. Yeah. It's clearly, uh, you know, being in that kind of position, I think, is very stressful. So let's just, you know, use that as an opportunity to say that stress is bad. And unfortunately, when you're under stress, you don't reach for a broccoli salad loaded with your sulforaphanes. Uh, you're reaching for uh, lousy food, and that's uh, that's a bad a bad recipe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Wolfson, you know, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Um, I know it was certainly educational for both myself and John, and I'm sure it was for a lot of our listeners. Um, if, if you're interested in, in learning more about, um, you know, Dr. Wolfson and, uh, you know, heart health, I'm sure you have a lot of heart uh, health education materials on your website. Is that correct? Yeah, we certainly do. we got a ton of information on our website. Uh, my book, of course, is a wealth of information, Absolutely. and uh, yeah, it's titled, you know, The Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health, but it really is a guide for anybody. You follow the principles in there, and we can avoid any disease, and, uh, you know, we've got videos, and of course, uh, YouTube, 
and a variety of other places. We're big on Facebook, so uh, have a look at our Facebook page at the Doctors Wolfson. And uh, yeah, listen, I mean, let's just keep fighting the good fight, right? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And if you look for Dr. Wolfson website, it's the Doctors. That's plural. D D R S Wolfson dot com. Um, go check out some of the educational materials on there. I'm sure you can uh, order his book if you're interested, or you can also go onto Amazon um, to, to take a look at The Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health. Thank you again, Dr. Wilson. Thank you. So Jeff, that was a great interview with Dr. Wilson. I really enjoyed that, having him on the show here. Totally, me too. I mean, wow. I mean, there's, you know, you, you know I've done a lot of research myself on heart health, and I mean, my background's in health promotion, but when you get somebody of his caliber, uh, you, you know, on on the on the show, and we, you know, talk. I learned so much, like yeah, a lot of valuable information from him for sure, and uh, you know, makes me makes me think. Um, well, I think that what makes more you think I can do? Good, then. No, it makes me think about <laughs> what more I can you know be doing, right? Not just for myself, but for my family. Anyways, you know what you could do? You could do your stop working with you. I mean, that'll reduce my stress and probably help me live a really long life. You could also do your final thoughts. That's true, I could do my final thought. In this day and age, in this technological world, it, you know, in some ways we're connected, you know, virtually, but we're disconnecting ourselves at the same time. And, you know, we could be, we could be in the room and everybody's on their phone, and even though we're not alone, we can feel lonely. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's... Something that's, like this. Yeah, everybody's, you know, they're not... Or even, even at your own table, right? Um, uh, at home, you know, if, if, if we're not... Uh, you know, all of all our, our kids, you know, even adults, adults are probably even worse at it, you know, sitting there eating meals, looking at their phones or their tablets, not paying attention to, we're not connecting, we can, we're, we're still going to feel lonely. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that, you know, we need that human interaction, that connection. And, you know, we need to put down, put away our tablets, put away our phones, and actually have a relationship with, with the people in our lives. And, that will, you know, not only are we, you know, supporting our heart health, right, and, and our health in general by by engaging and connecting with with people around us, like, you know, I'm with you right now. Yeah, I, my heart feels better I, already. I, I, I'm that's my point. I'm protecting you too. I'm protecting my family. I'm protecting, my you know, hero. John here, my co-host to, you know, from, from those, you know, possible you know diseases down the road or whatever there's a protective factor for for them as well we're supporting their well-being and that's and that's what we're here to do for each other is support each other's well-being and life so those are my final thoughts john good way to close it jeff thank you for that you know. thank you everyone for tuning in um, again send your feedback to podcast at corehealth.global and hey most of your wellness professionals watching this, why not embed this video on your wellness portal so that your employees can watch it too? That's going to grow our, our audience for sure. So again, until next time, be healthy. Be well.